This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for March 23rd, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the box that says sponsor this podcast and you can do a one-time or recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever. But we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Max Pierce, joined as always by KS Lowe. In case we are going to get right to it, no banter. It is Memorial Gate weekend. We're going to talk briefly about the Kobe Samba Hall show. But boy, I'm getting kind of hyped about this Memorial Gate show. How about you? Yeah, we're going to speed through some of this, not because we're super pumped about the card of Wakayama, but perhaps I have some uh, personal issues at hand that are time sensitive that maybe we need to speed through part of this episode. At least, fingers crossed, we don't need to, but we're going to get rolling. Yeah, the Memorial Gate card, uh, we messaged as soon as it came out. I was like, damn, I really, really like this show, and it's on, what is it, Saturday morning? Yes, right, Saturday morning here in the States. I, I will probably watch this show live because I like everything on this card. Yeah, yeah. It, it's something that we immediately mess each other. And we both forgot about the Wakayama Tornado match that obviously was going to happen here. So that's why there's no Triangle Gate match. But we'll talk about the card and give our previews in a little bit. But there was a go-home show for Wakayama and Kobe Sambo Hall this weekend. It, it, they returned after having the uh, having to be in Tokyo Arena last month, and they're back in the friendly confines. Attendance 306 in case. Uh, let's just kind of get right through this. Uh, neither of us really have any takes, I would say, on the first three matches. So I'm just going to speed r- run through those results and talk about what happened afterwards, and then we can talk about the meat of this lineup. That works for me, Mike. All right, so the show opened with High End doing the opening mic thing, and that pretty much led straight into Keisuke Okuda versus Punch Tomonaga, the eternal rivalry. This time, Okuda said, if you beat me, you win the match. However, I'm going to need three falls. In six minutes and 12 seconds, Punch Tomonaga pinned uh, Keisuke Okuda and has laid out a Brave Gate challenge for next month's Kobe Sambo Hall show. That led us directly into match two. This was a a Boku Dojo versus R.E.D. tag match. It was Bokudomo Dragon and Ryo Saito versus Kai and Diamante. Bokudomo Dragon beat Diamante with the shot put slam. Case, it's back. 
it's back. It looks like it, the last like six months or nine months or however is just a ruse. We might be getting big back. What well, real quick? What did I tell everybody? What have I told everyone? Take your lap since Take the team lap. Boku thing started. He's one shot put slam away from returning to old form. And all of a sudden, we have to take this guy seriously again. It's it's just like that. It's one move. It's a protected finish. It's been protected since he debuted it six or seven years ago. All it took was one shot put slam. And I'm not saying he's back to 2016 levels where, like I've said many times, I thought he was legitimately one of the 10 best wrestlers in the world at his peak. We're a ways off from that, and I don't really think we're ever going to get back to that territory. But... One shot put slam, and all of a sudden, there's a whole new layer of heat on this Bucaltimo Dragon versus Diamante match at the April Corkin Hall show. My lap is complete, Mike Spears. <laughs> and it's something that, like, I'm glad that this happened because, boy, the rest of this match was basically saying Team Boku are a bunch of scrubs, and RED is just going to, like, put them out of their misery. And then now we have a little bit of spice going into that match, and I'm stoked to see like what will come out of this because i feel like that it's pretty we're we're both fairly certain that bukotomo is losing the mask i wish they would have teased this spot here and then done it at the cork and although i guess he's probably losing in april so this was i you know what maybe i take that back maybe this was the best time to do it it's just it really came out of nowhere i mean this is one of those things if you just have the undercard on in the background and you're not really paying attention to this match because the first three matches although they kind of all had storyline implications. It was a newsworthy show, but the first three matches were just so dry and there was no substance there. So it's one of those deals. If you blink, you miss it. But sure enough, uh, my eyes were on the prize and I saw this shot put slam happen. And now I'm, I'm really intrigued about this April match, this Diamante versus Bucaltimo match. Just because I don't know what tone it's going to have. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's kind of an odd pairing giving their skill sets, but I'm looking forward to it. It's got some juice to it now. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it really needs is just enough juice to get a little bit of doubt that Diamante could be losing this mask match. And the fact that he pulled out the shot put slam and showing he's not going to just be doing the parody act there, I feel like it goes a long way in instilling that doubt there and what should be a no-doubt finish of Puestas. Yeah, so that's that's coming up in in a week or two at this point, that April Corkin Hall show, which really, more so than any of the Corkins we've had this year, like I'm already anticipating that show, and I didn't really feel that way in January, February, or March, but with Doi's return and now this match, which again, I had a morbid curiosity for going into this Kobe Sambo Hall show, but after seeing the finish here, I'm now, you know, dare I say, excited about that mask versus mask match. It's a good feeling to be a few weeks away from a Corkin Hall show and already looking forward to it. It's more than a few. I didn't realize that this is a rare Friday Cork and Hall show on the ninth. So the we've ninth. got a couple of weeks. We got a couple of weeks. There's something that we might be we might be going back to the buffet in a couple of weeks because after Wakayama they have about a 13 day break. You know that's okay. We can go back to the buffet because we've got that Michinoku Pro Battle Arts match to talk about. That that probably mm-hmm. needs to be discussed on this show at some point. Yeah, yeah, there's that. And then, of course, I know you wanted to mention the uh, Dragon Gate uh, future episode went up this week, right? Yeah, this is as much time as we'll spend on it now. It's something we can probably circle back to in a few weeks, but there is a new Dragon Gate futures 
upload on the Drangate Network. Mike and I talked about this at the beginning of this year. I think the first one was uploaded either in in January or maybe very early February, but it is the four newest dojo students uh, and they're not even debut matches, but exhibition matches, three or four, I guess five minutes, is, it would make sense. But these five-minute little exhibition matches that are purely grappling, this one actually, it, it took a step up from amateur wrestling-style grappling into you could see some more professional wrestling elements being added into those matches. Uh, that is up on the network now. There's not a ton to analyze there. We'll save it for a slower week because it's a little evergreen right now. But yes, there is a new Dragon Gate Futures upload on the network. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so we, so the the buffet is being stocked. Don't worry about it. We'll have some stuff to talk about. The third match that we were alluding to that there wasn't much about it, and as and as long as I read this match result, that's I think as much time as it deserves. Six man tag team match: Ultimo Dragon, Yazushi Kanda. Gamma versus Masaki Mochizuki, Takashi Yoshida, and Don Fuji. Kanda, or Kanda got the win with Candy Magic in 12, 12 minutes and 16 seconds that you don't need to spend your life on those 12 minutes and 16 seconds. No, I, I guess I, I, I have to bring this up now as we're heading into Memorial Gate and they're teasing some tension between Yoshida and Mochizuki now and this idea that Yoshida keeps on getting beat by flash pins, which is unacceptable when it happens to him, but he can beat guys with flash pins. Do I need to be afraid that he's turning already? Because we just spent time talking last week about how much we like babyface Takashi Yoshida. And I spent this match, even though the match was borderline not very good, thinking, man, I would really like a unit of Mochizuki, Fuji, Yoshida, you know, and whoever else. Yeah, I mean, well, history gives us enough evidence for our eyebrow to be raised when anything happens with Takashi Yoshida from like a feud or a teaming standpoint. So my eyebrow is raised with how they're kind of playing this out. If it's another, if it's another heel turn, then I'm basically, you know, I'll just quickly revert back to how I felt about him six months ago. At this point, it's a healthy skepticism. I don't think we need to be concerned, but it is something that I felt like we needed to address ever so briefly. Absolutely. And then we get into the meat of the lineup. It is the fifth Royal Sambo Bell Royal, the participants were Super Shisa, Kness, Konamawa Ichikawa, Kagatora, KZ, Problem Dragon, Yosuke Samaria, Jason Lee, the returning Hoho Loon, Hio, Hip Hop Kakuda, and Daya Inferno. The winner of this match is Hio. Hio has stopped the Ichikawa. To be fair, it was three RED members who stopped the Ichikawa to start this match. What do we think? This is sort of the end of an era, you know, when Shingo Takagi beat Shima at Kobe World 2013 and put an end to Shima's 18-month reign as Dreamgate champion and really signified a new era in the promotion. Stalker Ichikawa goes down here, Konamami Ichikawa rather, he goes down here by way of, he was triple team, like Mike said, all three RED guys ganged up on him and beat him, and I'm kind of devastated. Yeah, I mean, heinous assault, I mean, I fully expect uh, uh, GM Yagi to send out some stiff fines and sanctions, maybe maybe some restrictions towards R.E.D., you know, I mean... Look, I'm not a cop caller, okay? I'm a shot caller, but if the, if, but if the police got involved in this situation, I don't think I would hate it, because what we saw uh, were some hooligans beating on an innocent man. Yeah, I mean, you had some local street toughs. You had Hyo, you had Hip Hop Kakuda. You you take a look at Hip Hop Kakuda, and you can't trust that boy. And then you had not with Daya those hips. Infer- 
Not with those hips. Not with those hips at all. And then he had Die Inferno. I mean, come on. We don't even know where Die Inferno comes from. They man, don't even know spooky. what language. That, man, that scared the shit out of me. I saw that walking down the street. No fucking way. Die Inferno gets on public transportation. I'm getting off. I, I mean, all I'm saying is that I think that the Dragon Gate Championship Committee, led by GM Takayuki Yagi, should roll back the tape and look at the restriction of this match. And then one of the RED guys won the match. One of these hooligans, the guy who comes out with a freaking pencil and has subverted all common decency, Hio, has unseated Konamawa Chikawa. I just can't stand for it, guys. I, I think we talked about this on the air a few months ago. Maybe it was after the show, though, where I was telling you that I was reading Death of the Territories and how I really romanticized this idea of NWA promoters meeting in Las Vegas and bickering over NWA world title reigns. And I know this doesn't happen, but from now on in my mind in the Drangate universe, when they go to Okinawa every year, there is like a top secret closed door meeting where they do all of their booking for the entire year and Horiguchi fucking has it out with people as he's booking this stuff. And this Sambo Hall Battle Royal match has been planned for a year now. And in a way, it's great long-term storytelling. It's uh, the lore of this Royal Sambo Battle Royal is not lost on me. Yeah, I'm imagining Okinawa. Of course, you know the person who facilitates it and someone who will be on the Wakayama show. Say that again? You know who is the person who facilitates, you know, lays out everything, gets everyone prepared for the, this big uh, meeting of the bosses in, o in Okinawa. You know who is the person who does that, right? No, I, I'm unfamiliar, Mike. Who is running the Okinawa kingpin of pro wrestling? Oh, it's Gurken Mask. Oh, Gurken Mask. Someone we'll talk about a little bit later on. Super J-Cup yes. alumni Gurken Mask. The dawn of the Riku Islands Gurken Mask. <laughs> if you ever... It, 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 it's, uh, this is only partially a bit. If you ever look at shows, if, if it's a company that does not normally run Okinawa, and you see Gurken Mask on the show, there's a reason why Gurken Mask is on the show. It would be like, I'm trying to think of a, um, a not problematic example because the only one that I can think <laughs> of pertains to Florida. So it's just like, look, sometimes independent wrestling promoters run shows in Florida and a certain talent is booked on those shows because maybe that person provided a ring and it seems like Gurken Mask is a much more wholesome uh, version of that. That is absolutely fair to say. I And uh, I, I think that's as far as we can go into on this comment before we should move on and not get in trouble. Yes. <laughs> so, semi-main event, R.E.D. versus Masquerade plus Satyoko Boy. I got it right this time, Case. I got it right, finally. Yeah, no, this was a super fun match. This was this was very good stuff. I really, I kind of liked Sachi Hoko Boy in this match. Not saying I need him to become a regular member of Masquerade, but I just, I liked his vibe here. I liked the fact that, you know, Masquerade did their extended entrance and then Sachi Hoko Boy came out and did his own extra long air guitar extended entrance. It was a, a, a sight to behold. It owns, it owns. And yeah, Sachi is someone that, you know, like, he will pop up, and he's usually in those battle royals. He usually is on an undercard, and it's something that is really, you know, he's just there. But, Case, I know we're going to cut this short. Any big takeaways you have for Memorial Gate before I run down this card? Well, let's real quick talk about the main event of Kobe. That's that's what I'll have time yeah. for. Um, 
Main event was awesome. The finishing stretch between UT and Ben K fucking rocked. I jumped off my couch at it. Um, I it was just it was so fucking electric that uh, again I'm I'm swearing talking about the main event of, of a Kobe Sambo Hall show, which means you know it was good. I, I think uh, I would have gone three and three quarters on that. Not quite notebook, but still really strong. As for Memorial Gate, before I have to head out due to a personal matter, and I do apologize to the Voice Gate faithful, I think both champions retain, if you look on, and this is my very, very loose research of Japanese Dragon Gate Twitter, but it seems like it's about 60-40 that Skywalker's retaining. There's definitely some talk about Sakamoto at least scoring the upset win. It would be an upset if it happened. But I think every everyone retains that puts a title on the line, and I will take Masquerade in the Wakayama Triangle Gate match, and I will take Hip Hop Kakuta defeating Ben K in match number three. All right, those are some spicy takes there. Yeah, it, it, one thing worth talking about, Kobe, before going, uh, Kazuma has now ate, has now eaten up Shun Skywalker at every opportunity on the microphone, like proving everything I've said, and it's something that I, I don't like being right, but. Kazma has the momentum. I can't discount this. No, Kazma is a ton of fun, and I think that match is going to be great. And that's, you know, for as unfortunate as it is that maybe, you know, Skywalker still has some of the issues that he has, it's led us to the Skywalker versus Sakamoto match, and we're seeing, you know, this guy that for years you and I tatted is like, hey, he's fun on a Triangle Gate team. You know, this Kazma Sakamoto guy really isn't that bad to now. It's like, oh shit, he's in the main event of a Dragon Gate show, and he looks like he belongs, which, even though I was the first one to say, and I'll take my second victory lap here before I head out, I was the first one to say, hey, this Kazuma Sakamoto guy is going to be alright in Dragon Gate. I did not imagine that this version of alright was him headlining a pretty major show on the company's calendar. Yeah, yeah, and it's something that, you know... He's still freelance. Maybe it's something that he ends up no longer being the worldwide desperado soon. You know, the fact <laughs> they put him in this main event. Kai has, he's been in a, a, a dead or alive cage match. Not dead or alive. He's been in a risk cage match, but he hasn't had a title shot. And you look at the two guys coming in and around the same time and Kazma seems like that he ingratiated himself much sooner and wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he does not work Noah as much as he used to. I, I know he still works on the sleaze feds, but I mean... Dragon Gate people work those feds all the time. Yeah, so it's very interesting. I'm looking forward to Memorial Gate. Mike will have a preview of the Sakamoto versus Skywalker matchup on the website. I'll have a review of the show, but Mike can can plug that at the end of the show. But for now, I bid you a farewell. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates... It's all just a shot in the dark until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards 
it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display again of all available cards hit rates grading so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack you are going to get something valuable you are getting something good and arena club in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about is also a marketplace for card collecting buying trading selling displaying all that sort of stuff but those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, you know, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network so looking at the wakiyama show it is a pretty interesting card again it is on the 27th this saturday morning it is a 1500 Japanese Standard Time start that is 2 a.m. on the East Coast, 1 a.m. Central. And I think, I don't know if uh, the, I don't know in Europe if they do daylight savings time at the same time as I do, but 1500 Japanese Standard Time, you'll be able to figure out it when it is. It looks like it will be having taped English commentary on the network. I don't know when. Uh, I forgot to mention with Case earlier the show in. Sambo Hall will stay up on the network until the 26th, so you can watch that the night, the day before. But we have a pretty full card for Wakayama, and of course, it's an interesting kind of thing to talk about Wakayama, and I'll do a little bit of a Memorial Gate and Wakayama history lesson before we start talking about the card itself. So Memorial Gate and Wakayama started as a sold show for a local TV distributor network that was either owned by Gaora, Dragon Gate's TV network's uh, parent company, or was affiliated with it. So everyone would go down there. They, Case, Case and I, we've talked about like these Wakayama shows actually on the Dragon Gate USA series. So it had a different vibe. It, was, it would usually have one or two title matches, and they would bring in outsiders, and it just was something that they did for local TV in about... Six months later, like when I used to get these DVDs from Japan, it would be about September. You would be able to get the DVD of the show. It would not air on Gaora, and that's the only time anyone in the West really ever got to see these things is if someone bought the Memorial Gate DVD. Of course, it's changed since the Dragon Gate Network. Infamously, in 2018, during the OWE and Dragon Gate split, all the OWE guys reappeared for the show because it was still kind of like a sold show and then went back to Shanghai. So it's one of those things that if you want to look at like Shima's, one of Shima's last matches in the company, it is at Memorial Gate. It is considered that kind of card. But in the greater scheme of things, 
I'd put Memorial Gate far below the uh, Big Five, but I'd put it on the tier with uh, Gate of Origin, and, and they're kind of in their own tier. I would say that this is kind of a B big show, but we have we have six matches for the show, and it's a pretty stacked lineup. There will be a written preview up on Voices of Wrestling later this week, and as Case mentioned, he will have the written review up this weekend, and we'll be back in full and in depth breaking down the show as next week when we when case and i get back together for the weekly update so six matches just going from the bottom to the top the opener is a natural vibes versus unaffiliated eight-man tag match it's kz it's asumi akoska it's ginky horiguchi it's ut and before i forget before i continue the end of the kobe sumble hall show we didn't get to this for case i had to duck out uh takedo kame announced his return and he'll be returning in April to Kobe Sambo Hall, and he'll be back in the ring. And his much-anticipated costume change and ring name changes will be happening on that show. And that's the same show that has the Keisuke Okuda Punch Tomonaga Brave Gate match that came out of the opener. So back to Memorial Gate. So it's Natural Vibes, the eight men that are currently active, versus Sachi Hoko Boy, Punch Tomonaga, Hoho Loon, and representing Riku dragon pro wrestling the dawn of okinawa it is gurken mask and you know this is a kind of something that if you are a newer dragon gate fan this is your get as many more people onto the show as possible match and these are usually the people you usually would have a bigger act or you would just have however many people you you have you have out there usually on bigger shows it would be like a bunch of rookies kanitra orai versus more rookies and super c sun kanes but on this on this show, we have Sachi, Punch Tomonaka, and Hoho Loon. You know, I think Sachi could be building himself up a little bit of a hot streak, so I'm kind of stoked to see what happens from him here. But th- this is a match that shouldn't... It, there will be nowhere where you could gamble on Dragon Gate Wrestling, but there's no match that you could feel as confident in your bet as it would be on betting on Natural Vibes to win that match. Match two, six-man tag team match. It is... The unaffiliated team of Ultimo Dragon, Bukudamo Dragon, Ryo Saito versus the R.E.D. team of B.B. Hulk, Kaido Ishida, and Diamante. And, you know, further building up the uh, Cork and Apuestas match. And, you know, with how this card is set up, it makes sense that they would do this, like that Sairio has kind of been attached to Bukudamo by the hip since uh, Team Boku formed. And Ultimo, you know, I mean, he still has that loose affiliation there. And then... The R.E.D. side, I mean, these are the R.E.D. people who aren't in bigger stakes matches and with Diamante. So, I mean, that all kind of lines up to me there. You, you know, we saw the shot put slam in Kobe. I would not be entirely surprised if we get him doing another shot put slam here or maybe if there's a reversal out of the shot put slam to build towards the big April Cork and uh, a Puesas match. But that's about all I expect here. Maybe some comedy here, but... This is the one match that looks like it could be the uh, noted comedy match on the show. Match three should not be comedy whatsoever. It is a big boy battle. It is big boy season in Wakayama as high ends Binkei go get, goes against R.E.D.'s Hip Hop Kakuta. Boy, I mingled that. I'm going to give that a second take, but I'm going to leave the first take in so y'all can make fun of me. Hip Hop Kakuta. And as Case mentioned, he's picking Kakuta here. And 
I can he he didn't give me his rationale off air, but I I'm gonna try to guess with how Case is his rationale behind this, and I think it, with Ben K he's been such like he sticks out since he returned in February when he returned when High End was announced, but he kind of sticks out in a way that it's not that his ring works bad. It's just like, he's just kind of like there and it's very obvious. Like you look at the rest of, of high end and they always, and Okuda, Yamato and, uh, and uh, dragon kid all look like a very cohesive unit in a way. And I mean, we'll get into that with match four, but you have Benke there and then you have Kakuta. This would be a major, uh, win in his win column would be the biggest singles match of his career kind of has been a little bit on the back burner with red since the apuestas match of course sp kento got four out of the five falls there but hip-hop kakuda got one as well and he's kind of like it's not that he is a lost post or is like denoted as a lost post he's just someone that in his point of his career he just kind of is someone that's going to kind of go back to the sidelines here but this is probably my most anticipated match on the show. Uh, what am I saying? The Wakayama Tornado match is probably now my most my most anticipated match. But this is a close number two. Yeah, you have Kakuda, who really is the heir apparent to the power style that we saw from Shuji Kondo that Shingo Takagi made his own spin on it. And he's kind of that for the next generation. With Binkei, who is brute force and speed, if you've seen a Binkei match, you've seen him be basically a five foot eight, uh, 230-pound bowling ball just colliding at things as hard as he can. And that's what I really hope to see is just some stiff fighting, some hot fighting here. And I feel like that these two guys, I'll probably give them enough time to do so. And it's something that, you know, when this card got announced, this was the thing that kind of had my eyes bulge out because this is a huge match. And I could see why Case believes that Hip Hop Kakuda will get the win here. But I'm erring towards the side of Benkei. Maybe this is something to kind of like reestablish him. And we've seen in this company, especially with Shun Skywalker, when you have a younger wrestler go up against an older one, then usually you can build something off of it. And they can build something off the loss. And I think that's something that Hip Hop Kakuta can shoulder pretty well. Match four is the famed Wakayama Tornado winning match. And. This is a match that they put together for last year, but they're trying to make this kind of into Wakayama's match whenever they do these shows. They kind of made this match especially for Wakayama. It's a three-way unit fight, and the way that they decide this is each team will start off with one person there. So it's a three-way six-man tag. Masquerade is is Minora, Lee, and Estrella. High end is Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Keisuke Akuda. R.E.D. is Ata, Kai, and S.B. Kento. So one person from each team will start this match. So it would be one versus one versus one. And then after that, a new participant will be entered every 60 seconds. How does this happen or why does this happen? Because beforehand, the, they will be doing a lottery using the local uh, delicacy of Wakayama, the umeboshi, which we've talked about this last year. This is a dried uh plum basically an ume it's a dried plum and it's like a and you can often get them into buns and you can get them in pastries but what they'll do is they'll have a bunch of umeboshis and everyone will eat one 
and then whoever has the sweet one to start will be starting as one, and then, then the two other teams will do it again, and whoever has the sweet one is two. So the person who gets two sour umeboshis, umeboshis will be the uh, third team in the match. So you start off one, one, one versus one versus one, and then every 60 seconds in a rotation, you will have a new participation entered. But here is the thing here. This is only a two-fall match. So before all nine people could get in the ring, a team can be eliminated. And if one person takes the fall, like let's say, for instance, uh, Jason Lee starts the match against Yamato and SB Kento. SB Kento taps him out. Doesn't matter who else will come out there. Masquerade has lost the fall and they're out of the match. And then it goes on between High End and RED, if that makes any sense. So they'll be keep on doing this until all nine people are in the match. And then when that happens, the match will be fought under the typical Dragon Gate rules. Until then, it's a tornado rule, so tags will not be enforced. And it, it's something where last year it was really kind of exciting, and they kind of made it their own in a way. And with these nine wrestlers, and it's a shame that, like, I kind of feel like the people who would thrive in this match even more so than High End would be a natural vibes team of, like, KZ, uh, Ginky, and UT, but... They're in the opener, and High End is the super face, so High End will be in this. And it's going to be real interesting, and it's going to be something that I am eagerly anticipating. It's something that you look at how Jason Lee has been the fall post here for Masquerade. I know Case is picking Masquerade to get the win here. I just really can't uh, see it with uh, the rest of these teams lined up. Like Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Okuda. Unless SB Kento finally makes up for all the times that Yamato has gone with the Frankensteiner or the Almighty. I think high end wins just because they're not going to, Okuda has his next challenger lined up. So he's not going to be taking a fall here. Dragon kid, Dragon kid could take a fall, but Yamato's not taking the fall there. And then you look at red of Eita, Kai and SB Kento, as I just mentioned, uh, SB Kento has been taking a lot of falls only on the Frankensteiner or the Almighty. There's your elimination there. And then you look at Masquerade, and the one protected member of that, of that trio is La Estrella because he hasn't taken any falls since he debuted. So I'm leaning towards high end, but this is a match that it's exciting, and you get to see like Okuda tee off on people for possibly six minutes until everyone else is in there. And it's a nice like high-speed match. It reminds me back when they used to have like, the special Yoshida or Nanawa tags. It's kind of like their own bent towards it and an homage back there. And it's a match I'm most looking forward to, but I think high-end will be retaining there. And then we get to the title matches. And this is where really the idea of this show as kind of a B-show really shines out here because... You have the Twin Gate match is the Buddy Cop tag team, Masaki Mochizuki and Takashi Yoshida defending against the unaffiliated team of Izushi Kanda and Kenichiro Arai. And it's just very hard for me to believe that unless there's going to be like some massive turn with Yoshida that this uh, Twin Gate team is going to lose in their first defense. I just think that Kanda and Arai, they aren't full-timers at this point. They're kind of on the other end of their career, whereas... Mochizuki will never stop wrestling until the day he departs this mortal plane. And Takashi Yoshida is going to stick around because I feel like that man makes plans and God laughs. So it could be interesting. I have been pretty impressed with Kanda and Arai, how they've been performing as of late. So this isn't going to be something like at Champion Gate where 
case and i were scratching our head is like well can we somehow just have like 15 minutes of mochizuki and then we can get a great match out of this i i think that this has a match that probably has a small chance of having a high scene like a very small chance for this match to get above four and a half stars or even to be at four and a half stars to be quite honest but the floor is higher than you expect as long as orion Kanda just bring it this match could be a whole lot of fun and then there's the whole kind of weirdness with Takashi Yoshida already feigning like he's going to be turning heel or is having issues with Mochizuki and flash pens. So that's something you can't outright discount. But I think that it is Mochizuki and Yoshida retaining in this match. And then we get to the main event. This has been one of their better built B-show matches in a while. It is the Open the Dreamgate Championship match between Shun Skywalker of Masquerade versus Kazuma Sakamoto of R.E.D. And when you look at this match, it's something where Shun Skywalker, I've pointed out since the beginning, he was going to have some issues as this champion, and especially like the idea of him being an ace. It was going to be very hard for him to fulfill that, and that put some doubt in this match where if it was other people, I would not have any doubt whatsoever that they would be defeating Kazuma Sakamoto here, but I can't dismiss uh, Kazuma out of hand. I think Shun retains, but Kazuma Sakamoto winning, and I think with the overall kind of Japanese wrestling landscape, especially within cyber fight companies, airing towards old and a little bit weird, it would not be a, it would be unprecedented, but it would not just be like a cataclysmic event if Kazuma Sakamoto won the Dreamgate. There'll be the people that don't necessarily always keep up with Dragon Gate. And they're the ones that usually have been very dismissive of Kazuma Sakamoto. But I think Kazuma Sakamoto has proved on the microphone over the last few weeks. And I feel like that his uh, ring work has been proven over the last few years. That Kazuma Sakamoto... It'd be interesting with him as champion. It would, I, it, I don't know how he would really do in the Dragon Gate Dream Gate matches. And I think that's what makes it kind of compelling here because Kazuma Sakamoto, like he's been entered in King of Gate. He has had singles matches before and they've usually been pretty good, but shouldering the load, having the strap is something completely different. But then you look at Shun Skywalker, who is matches. I mean, you take away the fact that the final gate match ended the way it did. And he's already had two four-and-a-half-star-plus title defenses, this guy is performing in ring. And this guy, very quietly, is putting together a most outstanding case in these matches. And him and Sakamoto, uh, with all their matchups and the outposts that they've had before this, I can't discount the idea that these two would have another banger. Like, this is a, like could this be a, another four-and-a-half-star uh, Shun Skywalker Dreamgate match? Possibly. Is it going to be something that's going to change, I feel like, the overall trajectory of Shun Skywalker and the overall trajectory of Masquerade? Don't really think so. But this is a match that I'm really hyped for. I think this is Shun's probably last or near last defense because we're going to be getting into Dead or Alive season pretty quickly and then King of Gate and then the two-night Kobe World doubleheader. And at that point, I guess that Shun Skywalker could drop the title at Dead or Alive and Aichi and Nagoya. That could happen. But I just, I think it's something where this is just another key here for him. This is something where chance for a very good match. And it's 
a fitting main event for Wakayama. I mean, we'll see how many people are going to be there. We're going to we'll see like how how hard they go for this. Usually they go I I they don't necessarily go like Kobe World Speed on these shows, but they do go hard on this. And it's a kind of match that you could would only really see in a Wakayama show. So that's about it for this week's update as Kay said before he got off and before, and as I said earlier, we will have a much longer episode reviewing the show. We will have tons of written content and voices of wrestling. Case of course will be taking the written review. There will be a group preview of myself and some others. And then I have a a column that I'm working on that will preview the open the Dreamgate match at Wakayama this Saturday on the Dragon Gate Network. And it's gonna be talking all about Kazuma Sakamoto and why people should stop be sleeping on Kazuma Sakamoto. But that'll do it this week. You could follow us on Twitter at Open Voicegate. You can follow me at Fujiheya, and you can follow Case at underscore in your case. But that's going to be it for this week. We'll be back with you next week with an in-depth Wakayama review. Take care, everyone.